everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of Arise with Amber. I'm so thankful to have all of you guys here. As always, I hope that you have had a wonderful week. And I want to start off by wishing all the dads a very happy Father's Day. And I know that just like on Mother's Day, that today can be a very joyful day for some. You could be a first-time dad, or you could be celebrating with your kids or with your own with your own dad. And it could be very, very joyful, but then on the other end of the spectrum, it could be a very painful day for some. If perhaps your dad is no longer with you, or if you are longing to become a dad and you just haven't been able to have the ability to do that yet, or if you don't have a good relationship with your son or with your father, or your relationship is strained, there could be, there could be many, many factors that go into today that don't make it the best day for you. So I just want to tell you that I see you and we're here with you and we are praying for your heart and letting you know that even though you may not have a good earthly relationship with your father here or you may not have, you may not have ever had a father figure in your life. I just want you to know that you have an eternal father and he loves you. He, he calls you by name. He knits you together in your mother's womb, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So I want to encourage you to lean in to your heavenly father today and draw near to him because he desires to know you. He desires to have a relationship with you, and you are never, ever alone. Even though you, your earthly father might have let you down, your heavenly father will not. So I just want to tell you that and wish you all a very happy Father's Day. Thank you guys for joining me. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, thank you again for the gift of another day. God, thank you that you do call us your sons and your daughters, Lord, that you call us yours, that we are never alone, that we never have to face this world alone, God, that because you are the beginning and the end, you go before us, you carry us when we cannot walk, you save us from ourselves, you save us from the wrath of God. We love you. We praise you, God. Do a mighty work in the hearts of those listening and watching from around the world today, God. Our lives are yours. Have your way with us. Change our hearts. Prune things that don't bring glory to you. Just invade our homes, God. Change us. Transform us into the likeness of your Son. We thank you so much for your sacrifice, for your saving grace that we do not deserve, God. I pray that somebody hears a word from you today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, friends, I just want to jump right into today's episode. I don't typically watch too much of the news. Uh, I don't typically watch much of any TV, actually. And I kind of stopped watching TV after we lost River. Things on TV and movies and all kinds of things just seemed really trivial. And I didn't find joy in it anymore. And it kind of opened up my eyes to what was really important in the world, and it's not all the junk that's on TV. So I don't tend to watch it. I, I'm not oblivious to certain things and events and, and things that are happening around the world. I'm not oblivious to those things. I do hear about them. I do see them, and I just don't let it fill my head, and I don't let it fill my thoughts, and I don't let it fill my feed constantly. I don't dwell on the things that I see or that I hear. However... I am on social media for work, and I do see things that are going on. <laughs> and man, our world seems like one massive dumpster fire right now, don't you think? It just seems so out of whack, 
so chaotic, so literally insane, all the things that are going on in our world right now. There's so much blatant sin. There's so much blasphemy. There is so much outright rebellion against God. And it just, it grieves me. It grieves my heart. And I know this is because now I'm a follower of of Christ and and I, I love our Lord above everything else. And so I know that that's why it pains me so much. But things that are being taught vulgar displays of of sex and things that are being shown taught to our children there is just demonic glorification on so many things that i see i mean i tried to watch a movie with the kids the other day and on netflix it, i just scrolled and it's just like everything is demonic everything uh, things aren't even hidden anymore you know it's not even like underground sat- satanic worship it's just like in your face and it's all across mainstream media. It's all over the news. It's it's just outright open mocking of Jesus and and just open satanic glorification and it's not okay. It's not okay. And I don't know why I'm shocked because we live in a fallen broken world and I know stuff like this has been happening forever. I know that. I just feel like because of social media, because of our phones, because of TV, because of every all of this stuff. It's just so much more accessible and so much more in your face. And the you do you culture that is is preached right now is tearing this world apart. It is breaking up more marriages. It is breaking up more families. It is causing more depression and suicide. And it is causing so much confusion in children and teens and young adults and it's all about just doing whatever you want doing whatever you want glorifying yourself doing whatever makes you happy it's all self-seeking and not at all god-centered or other-centered which is what we're called to do i told granger the other day that i feel like my grandmother i feel like my nanny i remember when i was younger and she would see things on mtv like the award shows or things like that and she would just be appalled She would be appalled at what was going on on stage. And I used to think in my young mind, my young unsaved mind, that, oh, she's just old. My nanny's just old. She's just out of touch. She doesn't know what's hip and what's cool. No, you guys, I feel like my grandmother. I feel like I'm like a 75-year-old woman. I feel like my jaw just constantly stays dropped all the time at what I see happening. I feel like every time I open up my phone, my mouth just drops. I feel like I'm just constantly in this shock about what is happening in our world right now. And everything is just so in your face. It's so in your face and so loud. Like I said, with news and social media, and there are so many people fighting. So many people are fighting against each other. So many protests. And there is so much anger. So many people are so just, you could just tell they are just deeply angry. And I, I, I keep thinking, you know, I'm so grateful that God gave us his promise that he would not flood the earth again. Because right now, I feel like nobody could blame him if he just flooded the earth again. I heard someone say this week, this person said, You can't just scream at the dark. You yourself have to be walking in the light. And that 
that convicted me. I see so many people screaming at the dark, screaming at the dark, screaming at people. They're screaming about what is right or what is wrong. And I see so many posts that are calling people out and they're so angry and they're so aggressive. But are these people, the ones that are calling people out, the ones that are so angry and aggressive, are are these people walking in the light themselves? Are these people, do they truly have their life all together is what I want to know because it convicts me. It challenges me. It challenges me to look at my own life, at my own sin. It challenges me to remember where I once was. It challenges me to remember who I used to be. I too was lost. I too was in outright rebellion against God. And by his grace, by God's grace alone, he saved me. By his grace, his mercy, he pulled me out of the dark he, he had mercy on a sinner like me. He opened my eyes to the severity of my own sin, and he called me to a life of repentance, and he called me to a life of light. He called me out of that dark pit and brought me into the light of life, into Jesus, opened my eyes to the gospel, opened my ears to the word. But even though I've been saved, I still sin. I still have to ask for forgiveness daily, pretty much. So many are so quick to judge others. And then on the other side, you have people saying, they claim Matthew 7 wrongly. They say, judge not, judge not. You shouldn't judge me. Only God can judge me. But those are the only two words that they read in that verse. People so often cherry pick what they want to fit their own narrative and their own wants in their own life from the Bible. They don't read the verses before and after. They don't read the whole text. The rest of the text of Matthew 7 reads, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank? in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Guys, how can we judge the actions of others if we are not walking in the light? We have to examine our own lives, our own marriages, our own homes, our own children, before we begin pointing out the speck in somebody else's life lest we be hypocrites. You know, so many people are turned off by the church because it's just a bunch of hypocrites in there thinking that they're holier than thou, judging everybody else when they themselves are not living in the light. Guys, we have to be living in the light. We have to be walking. We have to be following his commandments. We have to be loving our God above all else. We have to be truly walking with Jesus, not just knowing who he is, but following him. We're not perfect. We still sin. We still sin, but we know our sin. We know the severity of our sin and we repent and and we turn away from it. And we're constantly being sanctified every single day. And Jesus doesn't say, don't judge. Jesus didn't tell us to not to judge. It says, but we too will be judged with that same measure. And someday, you guys, we're not going to be the judge. We're going to be the, the defendant standing before our holy God, giving an account for our own lives our own choices, our own sins. We are going to have to stand before him 
Yes, we're forgiven. Yes, we're saved by the grace of God, but we still have to give an account. We still have to stand before our God. So what does your life look like? What does your home look like? What does your marriage look like? What sin struggles do you have? What do you struggle with? What are you fighting? What temptations? What addictions? What are you, what are you going through that you are hiding, but yet pointing out the sins of others? You might say, well, I'm not doing anything that bad, or I'm not doing anything as bad as what they are doing. But did you know that the Bible says, if you look at another woman or man with lust, you commit adultery? Or it also says that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. We all sin. We all sin every day. Even if we are converted, even if we are saved, we are still sinners by nature. We're, we're still living of our flesh. We won't be perfect till we get to glory. We all have struggles that we deal with daily. And if we just go out and start judging the world and start pointing out all the things that we think are just wrong and ill and disgusting without first looking at our own lives and our own hearts, we are the hypocrites. It starts with us. It starts with our marriage. It starts with our homes. And we can't go out and change the world. We can't, we're not going to go out and make any difference in the world if we are still living in sin and unconfessed darkness. Now, especially if we have been converted, if you are now a follower of Christ, if the Lord has changed your heart, if we are truly walking with God, seeing all of this stuff, it should upset us. It should grieve us. It, it, seeing this just darkness and blasphemy and, and demonic glorification, it should cut us to the heart. It really should because it goes against our holy God. But I want to I challenge us to come at it from a different angle. I want to challenge us rather than just being loud on social media or gossiping about people to our friends. I want to challenge us to be in a constant posture of prayer. We have to be praying for the lost. This is, this is a mission field. This is a mission field, and we should see it that way. We should be sharing the gospel with them lovingly. We should be letting them know that they have a Savior who desires to know them, who knit them together in their mother's womb, who created them for a purpose. We should be, we should be telling them who their identity is, and it's in Christ. It's not in who the world says they are. It's not in who their feelings are lying to them, telling them, who they think they are, it's who God says they are. And we need to be sharing that with them lovingly, not hatefully and not affirmingly, but lovingly. We need to be telling them that there is nothing that they have done in their past that Jesus's blood can't cover, that they can't be forgiven for. Nothing that you have done can keep you from the love of God that he has for you, but you do have to turn. You do have to repent. You do have to surrender and submit to his lordship over your life. You can't go on living in the same sin perpetually. You can't call yourself a Christian if you are constantly living in sin. That's not a Christian. I saw a man at the airport the other day and he had a shirt on and it said in huge letters, I hate God. 
And it's almost like somebody, somebody like that is, is either begging for a confrontation or crying out for help to just wear something so openly blasphemous as that. And my first fleshly reaction as, as a human, as a Christian, was what in the world? Like, who wears that out in public? There are kids around. Who wears that out in public? But I very quickly, like almost in the same thought, I, I switched it and I started praying for him. And I would have probably gone up to him if he would have been like right next to me. I would have tried to open up a, a, a small line of conversation with him. But he was way up ahead in security and I was way at the back. So I just happened to see the back of him as he was walking. And I, you would have thought I like shot lasers through the back of him in this deep prayer for him. Just, I prayed so hard, God, invade his heart right now. Invade his heart like never before. Show yourself to him in such a way that makes him want to rip that shirt off and throw it in the trash. And how many times, you know, do we see something like that? Or do we see something that disgusts us? Or do we see something that we don't agree with? How many times do we truly pray for them? Or do we just like gossip to our friends about it and go about our our day? Because I've been guilty of that too. But really, you know, since my change of heart, I have tried to just immediately pray. Prayer is so powerful. And who knows, maybe that person or or whoever's been in front of you or whoever's wearing whatever they're wearing or whoever's doing whatever they're doing in front of you was placed there to get you into a posture of prayer so that you could pray for them. God uses us. God uses us and he hears our prayers. So I, I think we should be in a constant state of prayer in a constant state of spreading gospel and not gossip. We need to be truly praying for the lost because we were once there. And I'm so grateful that people prayed for me. We need to be praying for God to invade people's hearts and just rip out every piece of wickedness that is there and, and pray for God to give them a new heart and a desire to know him. Pray for God to reveal their identity and who God says they are. We need to be praying for God to make the dead alive in Christ. We need to be praying bold prayers for that. And we need to pray for our own hearts and and live in arms raised gratitude for what God has saved us from. Because we know where we once were and we know where we were headed. And God saved us by his mercy. We live in such a fallen, broken world. And it's going to be that way until God calls us home. But we aren't only to focus on all that is wrong in the world. If we are constantly scrolling media and watching all the news, it's, it's literally 100% bad all the time. Like I very rarely see anything good. So if you're constantly filling your mind with that, you're going to live in this constant state of anxiousness and worry and depression and anger. So we have to see that there is good all around us. There is truly good all around us. And it's not what the media is showing. There, there are good people. I say good people. The Bible says there's not one that's good. But there are good things happening. God is still moving. God is very much making miracles and saving people and, and raising the dead to life every single day. And there is goodness. And we need to be those people who share that goodness, share the gospel with others. We need to not be so consumed with politics and policies or flags or whatever else is going on. We need to renew our minds and think about the things that are good. Think about the things that are profitable. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The Bible also says in Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome with all that is evil in the world, but overcome evil with good. We need to think about these things. We need to think about the good things. We need to to put on the mind of Christ and we need to impress these things on our children and write them on our own hearts. We have to remember that Christ is on the throne and that while everything around us can seem so chaotic and so crazy, we have to remember that he's still in control. He is still in control over everything that is happening. And we have to trust that, that he knows what he's doing. He is God and we are not. And every knee will bow. Someday, every knee will bow. So until that day comes, we are to be the light. We are to reflect the light of Jesus on a lost and broken world. We are to be salt and light. And we can and should call sin, sin. We should take no part in it. We can take a stand with how we spend our money or where we go or where we put our children in school. And, you know, that speaks louder than any social media post can. But we have to remember that apart from God saving us, apart from from the redemption that we have in Jesus, we too will be right there, right there with them. The Bible says, such were some of you. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Such were some of us. Such were some of us. But with God, with Jesus, his blood covers all of our sins, past, present, and future. But we cannot go on sinning. Jesus says multiple times, go and sin no more. I'm thankful for the washing, for the washing of the sin and the darkness away from me. I'm thankful for God's grace. It's only by his grace that we're saved from our own wretchedness. So we have to remember where we once were. We do need to stand for holiness and godliness but we have to look at our own lives first. We have to look at our own lives and make sure that we are living our lives worthy of that high calling before we begin judging somebody else. And when we speak to others about these topics, we have to remember to do so with grace and with humility and with truth and with love, not with hate. We do need to defend those who can't defend themselves and shield our children from a lot of of what is happening and what is being taught and what is being shown and what is being just, I don't know, I don't even have a word for it. Just what, what is everywhere around the world? We do need to shield them from that and protect them from that. However, we live in a fallen world and it's also an opportunity. It's also a teaching moment for us to talk to our children about what the Bible says about such things. What does God say about this? How are we supposed to respond to this? What do we do? What do we say in our family? Who does God say that you are? We go to the Bible for our truth. That is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's where we turn. So we can use it as an opportunity to teach them 
to instruct them, to lead them. But in order for those conversations to happen, in order for us to to know what to say and and to know what the word says, we have to read our word. We have to be praying for wisdom and and how to approach these hard topics and how do we how do we know what to say that's right for their for their age or how do we know when is the right time to talk about these types of things? The Bible says if you if any of you lacks wisdom, ask. Talk to talk to your pastor, talk to your 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 the body of your local church. Talk to wise counsel. Pray. Pray for God to, to reveal things to you, to show you, Lord, how do, I, how do I approach this with my kids? How do I, show me, show me where I can look to read what your word says about this. You also need to be active members of a church body. I, I, I just, I used to think, you know, I don't have to go to church to have a relationship with the Lord. And I was so wrong. I was so wrong. We need to be. The church is the bride of Christ. We have to be in the body. But you have to be in with members of a faithful, Christ-centered church that guards and proclaims the truth of Scripture. You have to know what your church is teaching. A little more on the judgment topic. 1 Corinthians 5.12 says, What have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. We are called to judge others. People always say, judge not, but we are called to judge others. We're called, namely, to judge our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And that's not to be judgy to them. That's, That's to help them walk in freedom. I love that I'm a part of a church where... There was actually a, a big membership process where we had to, you know, have a, a membership meeting and we had to, we had to sign, you know, what we were stepping into and what we were going to be held accountable for and what we were going to hold others accountable for. It was, it was so fulfilling for me to be a part of a church that handles membership that way, that shepherds their people so well, because that's who you're going to be doing life with. That's who you need to be walking through hard things with your pastors, your elders, other, other members of the body. And we need to be holding each other accountable. We need to be calling each other's sin out, not in a hateful way, but to, to help to break off those chains. If we see anything that's holding them back from who the Lord has created them to be. So I love that we get to hold each other accountable and actually walk through the hard things of life together. That's what it's all about. It's all about walking each other hand in hand home. And fighting, fighting, the, fighting the good fight together. We're called to humbly help our brothers and sisters, to help them out of sin, to help them put sin to death. God is the only just judge. That is true. And a time is coming when he will judge the entire earth. Revelation 21.8 says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, As for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That is so scary. But before Christ saved us, that's where we were headed. We were all headed for that lake of fire. And there are still people that are headed there right now. We can see it. 
We can see it. And it's not only just the, the blatant displays of, of blasphemy. It's people who are claiming to be Christian who are not truly walking in the light. They're still headed there. And in Jude, I want us to remember what it says in Jude. It's Jude 17, and it says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. It feels like the last times. There are scoffers who, will, who are following their own ungodly desires. These are people that are dividing us, who are following their natural instincts, who do not have the spirit. But the Bible says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Share gospel, not gossip. Plant seeds, ask questions, invite them to church, invite them to your house. Keep praying. Keep praying. It's so powerful. And you yourself stay close to Jesus. Draw near to the well every day. Make time to sit in his presence, whether it's in prayer or in his word or both, hopefully. Your greatest ministry is in your home and your kids are watching. Your kids are watching and you have a duty. God has entrusted you with these little humans to raise them up in the way that they should go. Don't just allow the school to be teaching them. Don't just allow the youth pastor to be teaching them. You need to be teaching them in your home. It all starts with us. Plant those seeds early. Pray for God to draw them to him even now because yes, you could grow up in the most faithful home with the most faithful Christian parents and you could still go off. You could still go off on your own way. But at least we know that we have a duty to at least set the foundation for them. We have to live our lives with them with open hands, but we have, a, we have a duty to set the foundation. And then it's all up to God after that. God chooses who he chooses. He has mercy on whom he has mercy on. And we just have to pray every day that he has mercy on our souls, that he has mercy on our kids. I was rocking Maverick and I was just praying, God, draw him to you even now. Even now, this little, little almost two-year-old, save him. Save him from the wrath that is to come if he doesn't know you. Save him. And that's all we can do is pray and try to raise them up the best way that we can. Try to be the best parents that we can for them. Lead them. Don't be a, a do-as-I-say parent, not as I do. Lead them. Let them see you live out your faith. Encourage them, challenge them, teach them, love them. Fathers, it's Father's Day. Be the spiritual leader of your home. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be watchful, be watchful. We are in a spiritual battle. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men, act like men, be strong. And ladies, encourage your husbands to act like men. Let them lead, yield, yield to your husbands. That is just the, the, the 
it's what it's how God created us. It's it's our roles. It's what we're meant to do. Men are supposed to lead. Women are the helper. God sees us equal as humans, but He's given us each roles, and it is the man's role to lead, and it is our lead to yield and submit and follow. You can't control the world. You can't control the world, but you can give them a firm foundation in the truth of God's word. And that could affect generations to come. That could affect your grandchildren and their children and their grandchildren. We need to instill in them who God says they are. And and we need to show them who God is. Before they are sent out into the world and the world lies to them and tells them everything that they think that God isn't. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We are on mission, guys. This is a very high calling, and we are in a spiritual battle every single day, so it is time to armor up. You are chosen. Thank you guys so much for watching. I appreciate all of you. If you want to find me, I am at arisewithamber.com. My Instagram is at amberemilysmith. I love you guys again. I appreciate you. I hope you have a wonderful Father's Day. I will see you next week. Bye.